Now? Yeah, yeah, you can say whenever about, you're ready. How about now? Do I start now? Yeah, right now. Now? Or, or, or then. How about now? How about then? You can start, <laughs> start then. Hi, my name is Ferns, and this is the Massacast. Hi there, and <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a long time. This last summer, uh, I recorded uh, five, six interviews, something like that. And so, uh, over the next few months I'm going to be releasing those conversations hopefully time allowed I'm going to be recording more conversations but the first one of these that I'm going to release right now uh, was a conversation with one of the first people I I talked to when I started this podcast uh, it is uh, Sinclair Sexsmith or sugarbutch.net I'm sure if you're familiar uh, I've, strong, I've had Sinclair on many times I'd strongly suggest you go back and listen to some of those earlier conversations uh, this one was, I just haven't talked to Sinclair in a long time, and so what you're going to hear is basically just us catching up. So it's going to be less of an interview and more of a conversation. And um, and then a couple weeks from now, I'm going to be having a conversation with someone who lived through the AIDS crisis and uh, is heavily involved in the kink scene uh, in California and uh, has a really good, amazing history. Also have a conversation with an anti-capitalist dominant and a lot more. So, uh, so first off, here we go. My conversation with Sinclair Sexsmith. Well, it's probably been a couple of years since I talked to you. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, now, I I have been, you know, com- almost completely, other than listening to, to other people's podcasts, I've been pretty much, you know, uh, disassociated from uh, the kink scene, from. Uh, from the blogging thing, from podcasting, it's just been nonstop work and school for my better half. So I'm totally out of loop. There may have been like a thousand things that have happened over the past couple of years that I have no clue about that you can maybe fill me in on. Uh, oh, sure. You know, what's, been, what's been going on in your life? Yeah, I can say some things to that. Well, it's funny that you've been taking so much of a break and then you're like, okay, I'm back. Let's do recordings. Podcasts go <laughs> right away. I'm glad you like to pick it up again, though, because this is this is such a cool project, and um, and I'm glad you weren't just like, eh, that wasn't. I'm done with that now, you know. I mean, so. it was a way for me to stay in touch with people I really like, right? Ah, uh, I love that totally. And 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 you know, it, it's obviously an interest uh, of mine in general, not just kink, but kinky people and cool people, and um, uh, and so I miss that. I missed having interesting conversations with people that I like. And so it kind of, you know, it's totally selfish on my part. You know, the fact that people are listening, the fact that people are listening is a, is a byproduct. It's not the uh, goal really. So. I totally understand that. Yeah. Oh, I have a, I have a a friend of mine who like throw a a meditation practice um, on Monday and Thursday at seven in the morning online. And we're like, you know, people come join us and and it's open, but really it's just me and them. And, And the point is that we, want to do this for ourselves so we're like right. well other people can come too but you know having it public makes it makes me more accountable of course um, sure right right well let me so let me think what's been going on like i you know i moved to the bay area and so we haven't been like having bl- kinky blogger tea or whatever we used to do very often right. and um not to mention because you've been uh school support for years but um so i've been here in the sunshine and the like drought and hanging out and working um i had a column for a couple years called view from the top on uh auto straddle and that went really well with a bunch of stuff about being masculine of center and topping and queer ds and things like that um and about two years ago, almost, I got a job working at San Francisco State University. So that's been really different for me, too. And that's really changed um, my relationship to all my online work. You know, uh, I just ha- don't have enough time to do all the things the way I used to. Um, and, you know, a few years before that, I think it was 2014 now. 2014, I launched a Patreon. So that's the other thing that changed about my online work where um, I wasn't, I haven't been as reliant on trying to monetize the blog through things like affiliates and, um, and text ads or whatever. And, and I 
So I have been writing more content that is like what I really want to write. And now that I have a day job even more and have some money coming in in a different place, um, I'm really back to like journaling and writing about my life in a way that is just open and thinking through my relationships and sex and gender um, online. And, and they're mostly behind the paywall, you know, they're mostly like for the Patreons only kind of things, but that's been amazing because people, I really get to engage and the people who are there really want to talk about it and want to read, you know, and, um, and then I don't have the random haters that just show up and judge from the one post. And that's really good too. They're really, right. it's really you're doing, There's, there's a lot of stuff you, 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 you mentioned there that I'd love to, to ask you about. Like, yeah, sure. Like, Let's go through backwards, it. The, the Patreon thing I know is a, um, there, I, I, I support, um, mostly podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts that I support that are, um, that probably wouldn't be able to do what they do if it wasn't for Patreon, right? Totally. Um, and most of them are like leftist podcasts. There's like a really good, you know, leftist feminist podcast I listen to that they, they, pr- they probably wouldn't be able to do what they do um, if they weren't getting support from people, right? Yeah, um, it'd be really different anyway, for sure. Yeah, and just the fact that, that um, you're also getting people who, um, like you said, who really want it they really like it and therefore you're 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 not having to put everything through the filter of how am i going to monetize this exactly. um it's you know you don't have that uh i don't want to say corruption but it, it like makes ulterior it more your motive you know yeah right and also even if even if your motives aren't even if your motives are pure and you just happen to be doing this people can suspect things right so like are they do they really like this product or are they doing it just because it's a right you know they get an affiliate link from it or whatever right. so it's really good it's I'm glad you get to do that oh, um, it's been so different like it's really changed my writing online for the better and and it's so nice not to have the same kind of hustle and you know for for 12 years and it's true which just turned 12 so like the for 8 years before that or something I had to pay to to make sure which happened every month. And I have, it's about like three to $400 of expenses every month to run the site. Wow. And, and like, and so now it's, it's covered, you know, I don't make a lot after that, but, but at least that is covered. It doesn't like cost me to make this, to like give people free content, which is great. Right. <laughs> it feels that so much better. Really I know. Right. 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 I, I, I can't, you know, uh, I can't imagine what people, you know, if, if their goal today, starting out today, because you had the benefit of, of being in like at the start of it, you know, when, totally. when for lack of a better term, sex blogging was, was starting out. Yeah. Um, kind of was. It's kind of then though. Yeah. And, and, and when you were doing it, it was sort of like, like not many people were doing it at the time. And so mm-hmm. you didn't have as much competition. And especially, you know, in your case, you were writing from such a unique, not just perspective, but voice. Yeah. Um, thank you. That 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 uh, I think someone starting out today it would be very hard for them to get an audience, um, just because there's so much competition for content out there. Um, that uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure you would have risen to the top anyway, <laughs> but it's but it's still hard, right? Um, no, I think it's really hard, and I think it's really different. The you know, the, the personal blog is a really different thing in 2018 than it was in 2006, which is when this started, right? Like everybody had RSS readers and was reading, like choosing these beautiful personal narratives of their, of people's lives that they were sharing and, and keeping up with them every day. And that was really before social media. Um, and so tons of my history, you know, and my, like, my newsletter, my Facebook page, my Twitter, like the reason why there's high numbers on all those is primarily because I've just been around a long time. You know, it, you get a couple followers a month adds up over 12 years. <laughs> of course. Right, um, right. You know, and it's not to say that I don't have stuff to say and it's not like, it's not valuable content. Cause I think I still think it is. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. But like, um, but the longevity is definitely part of it. And so when you know, the days of like group blogging, cause right now, you know, all the giant sites are like, like Autostraddle, for example, that has 40 writers and they put out 20 pieces of content a day. And, 
And individual little personal blogs can't compete with that. That's just a completely different model and, and level of, um, of publishing on the, on the web and of, of the potential for uh, articles to go viral too, right? Because like primarily what we see, we're not following one blog and reading every post, but we're reading posts here and there that all our friends share. So right. it's a really different it, landscape. It's also a filtering system, right? Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, as far as whether, whether or not the, the source is good or not. And I'm, I, you know, whether or not the, the people in charge of a, you know, a 40 person blog, whether or not their hearts are in the right place, mm-hmm. they themselves act as a filter. Right. Um, and so, uh, whether that's the voices that get heard or the, or the types of content that gets pushed. And again, I'm not talking about autostraddle specifically. I'm talking about this is true for any, any right, for sure. platform. Right. Um, so, so you, when, when you have that, it's going to be, and also the thing, the other thing too, was that at the time, um, you know, like you said, in 2006, the way you found blog posts or other blogs to follow is either reading the comments, liking what someone said, and then looking at their blog. Totally. Or, <laughs> or someone said, someone said, you know, you would write, oh, I was been reading X, Y, and Z blog, and they had a really interesting point, and I wanted to write about that. And then you follow them because of that. And so, and, you know, sure, that was a filtering system, but it's almost like a friend filtering system, sort of like how you meet someone, like you have a close friend, and you meet their friend, and they're also cool, because that person happens to have really good taste in people, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, it's sort of a different type of filtering system, rather than just for the clicks, it's by quality of content, I guess you could say. That, yeah, I haven't thought about that kind of system in a long time, and that totally used to be how it was. That and, like, you know, you'd have a blog role in your sidebar, right? Like, you'd yeah, have right. the people that you love to read and, and like, link to. That was, right. I remember, like, web rings before that, where you'd have, like, a group oh. of people who belonged in a ring, quote-unquote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, back in I, the day. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll go back and read old posts. Oh, yeah. Um. Like what? What do you think of when you read some of your old stuff? Other than like reminisce, like do you ever think like, oh my god, what was I thinking? Or oh yeah, or... oh my god, totally. Um, I it's funny. I just put a, a plugin on my site that's called Revive Old Posts, and it like randomly tweets a form a post from your archives every however many hours you want it to do that. So mine's like every five or something hours, and. Um, and so then I get these, you know, random ran- tweets showing up with like some random post. And the blog world was such a different thing where it would be just like a post that says, watch this YouTube video. It's awesome. You know, and so there's a lot of really random shit in the, in the archives. And, um, and then some of it, like I was just looking up a, a old piece that I wrote called a love letter to femmes. And I think very fondly of this piece, like it was really beautiful and good. And I performed it a bunch and, you know, read it different places. And it's in an anthology. And I read it over. I was like, what is this crap? I have to rewrite this completely if I want to put it out again. Like, oh, it's so cocky. And, you know, part of the whole Sugar Butch kind of brand was built on cockiness for sure. So, like, I get it. (laughs) But, wow, I would not put that out there like that today. Is it because you you personally have changed, or or because um, that cockiness is not is kind of frowned upon now, or what is what is it? Is it just because you've changed, or what what is it? I I think probably mostly I've changed. And I, I think I remember you reading that. I remember he, you reading that. I'm sure I, I remember re- reading it on your site. I'm sure. Um, but um, uh, you know, like you said, that was part of your appeal both as a writer and as a, as a, as a top, as a person mm-hmm. in general. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and part of that was also me trying to use Sinclair as an identity to like come and meet that in my own life, you know, where it was really turned up version of what I, of like who I wanted to be. And that is a way that I really use blogging and journaling and kind of writing in general to, write myself to a new personal identity that, um, that really, you know, evened out. And then there was a while there where I was like, okay, Sinclair and Zed, which is kind of what people call me offline. Um, are, I don't know where the line is. Like, what's the difference here? I've, uh, and I'm not sure that's a good thing that like the majority of my life 
and out in the world, people call me Sinclair or, you know, the people that I know I met that way. And, you know, but what about, <laughs> there might be some other things. Cause it doesn't, it feels like a persona to some degree. And then I was like, okay, but, but there's also me under that. So how do I get back there? And now it feels a little more like we've separated again. And, and Sinclair is a, is a project, a pseudonym, you know, a place where I put certain things and, and my own, my like offline life is a little different. Um, so, it, but it's been a, I mean, that's a really interesting thing to do, right. To like split yourself <laughs> sure. um, and use that as a, as a tool to, to become a different person. I mean, I mean, I, I don't think this is uncommon though. I mean, it, you know, it may be just unique of the medium you're doing, but you know, people in many aspects put out a specific version of themselves in different circumstances, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You like wear many hats. Like we kind of call it that sometimes. And, and usually it's kind of more subtle. Like you're this person at work and you're this person with your friends and you're this person with your family. Like, yeah, but this, um, or even, you know, people who kind of have a, any sort of celebrity or known, you know, uh, in a small circle or community has a certain kind of persona to keep up to some degree. And, you know, performers or, or um, uh, leaders, organizers, people like that really have a different outward face a lot. Yeah. Was there, were there instances where um, someone knew you as Sinclair, Sugar Butch, and then um, was really attracted to it? And then um, you had to try to keep up appearances in your personal life with them and like, you know, you know, you maybe started mm. playing or be, you know, or, or, and, and evolved and, and they, you had to, you had to explain, look, yes, that's a part of me, but that's not, did, did that ever come into a mm. conflict or come into something? Hmm, that's such an interesting question. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think that some people have a very specific version about who I am and what I do and like, you know, the kind of person I am in bed, that kind of stuff. Right. But, um, and sometimes I think that one of the big reasons why I was writing it that way for so long was because that's who I wanted to be in so many circumstances. So sometimes when people expected that of me, it was kind of a relief and it was fun and it felt like a challenge. Like, come on, you said you were this, like, let's go, let's go. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so exciting. Let's go. And, um, you know, but but also in the kind of more long-term relationships that I've had since Sugar Butch started, um, the, my sense of self and our like relationship together and world together gets way more nuanced. And I mean, I don't know, I'm sure there's people who have met me and thought that I, you know, ha- were disappointed <laughs> or thought it was a different thing than it was. Well, it, it, maybe it's like they, um, because, because it's not just the, the writer who infers things, but the reader does as well. Right? Mm-hmm. So totally. the reader, the reader can assume things, even if the, even if the writer is putting out a certain vibe, a reader, because for one reason or another can, can, in, you know, increase that, you know, turn that dial up themselves because for whatever reason, it's a fantasy of theirs or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, um, uh, and so, you know, both parties can, you know, can turn that dial up. And, and sometimes, I mean, I know, I know people who, um, I, I think this is also very common for, um, you know, I have friends who are pro doms who, um, mm. when, you know, if they date in the scene, um, even though they, they may be put on a certain persona in the scene, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a somewhat of a persona. And then once and, and that person who maybe sees them takes their own personal fantasies and, and inserts it into that person. Right, um, for sure. And, and so they have to, I'll never forget what a friend of mine um, said when I first started dating Saad um, that, um, you know, make sure that, that you understand that, you know, give, give her permission to be a girl too. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not just this, this superhero that you've built in your mind, hmm. um, uh, because every you know, no one can just walk around and always be that that thing that you've. It's, it would be like ask, asking an actor to play a part 100 percent of the time, yeah, you know, or something, yeah, you know, 
Right. Or uh, even it would be exhausting. Right. For sure. And even if they're, if, if they have this one role that they do all the time, right? Like, I don't know. Um, that, that's still not all of who they are. And, and that's, yeah, that's a challenge for, that's a challenge. Uh, I have a question for you related to Saad more than, it's a little bit of a side note. So do, do you have something else or are we cool? <laughs> no, go nuts. You know, yeah, okay. let's just go, so man. My question is, during this time where you've been doing all this school and work and, you know, you guys have been really like you got married and you've been settled and like working on like long, long term life, or at least that's my understanding. Right. Um, how is your DS going? Like, how's your kinky life? Um, were you guys like, what did you call it? Like, were you calling it MS or DS 24 seven or, or what? And, and how did we you manage really, that? We never really put a label on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we never said, oh, we want to be DS 24-7 and it's going to look like this. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I know when people think of uh, like a 24-7 DS relationship, they think, um, you know, I don't know what rules you can imagine, right? I don't, I have no idea what you, you know, some people mm -hmm. think, oh, you're never going to be, you're never, you can't sit on the couch sure. or you need to be in chastity 24 seven or, you know, I mean, whatever they, you know, put into their minds of what mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. um, for us, it's, you know, for us, it's always been a, it's always an undercurrent, right? Right. Like, um, uh, I'll clean the bathroom or I'll, you know, I'll do these things. Um, she will say to me, you know, she'll be working on a paper and she go, I could really use some chocolate right now. And I'll go, I'll go down to the store. What kind of chocolate would you like? You know, mm -hmm. and then I'll go to a few different stores and get it, you know, um, or, mm. um, uh, or I will always make sure that her water is, is available or before bed, I'll do these things to help her. You know, I'll always make her, her tea that she drinks right before bed. And it's just, we don't even, I'll just say, are you ready for your tea and water? And then I'll get her, you know, all these different things. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not like, I guess a friend of mine would call it heavy protocol. It's not like heavy protocol stuff, right? Like I'm not like, make sure you um, never turn your back when you're exiting your room. You know, these types of heavy <laughs> protocol things. Yeah. Um, which can, you know, can be hot. Don't get me wrong. Totally. But I, I know that she would think, you know, especially when we're doing all these other things, she would think, my God, that's it's more, it's more work. I don't want more work. I want less work. You know, I want, I want it to be easier, right? Um, right. So it sounds like a lot of domestic service that, that you guys have kind yeah, of settled I, into of like, you know, that she likes her tea this way. So you're going to make it that, make it right. That way. And, and like, um, uh, it's funny because like when we first got, started spending time together, cause it wasn't really dating. It was me. I would come over and I'd do cleaning for her or whatever. She had a little bell right, mm -hmm. that she would ring. Um, uh, and whenever she rang the bell, then I'd go see what she needed. And it could be anything, right? It was could be a, she wanted something to drink. It could be she wanted a type of play at that moment or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and and now, um, because she'll be in the other room studying, uh, I'll be on the other side of the apartment um, working, listening to podcasts or something. She'll send me a text message of a bell. Huh. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's funny. So I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so... I mean, I, I, I know that's not, I mean, that sounds like the opposite of kinky and fun. It's just like, if, if I'm out of earshot, that's what she does type of thing, right? No, um, I mean, that does sound kinky and fun to me, though, because you have to be kind of on point, like ready to rise from your chair at any moment. And while there's a, there's an interesting combination, though, though, of um, of wanting to like, have time and like get really into your podcast or get really deep into your work. Cause you know, some of that stuff takes a lot of concentration and then also be available and, and ready for at any minute to like take a pause. And I think that for a submissive is a really hard thing to reconcile, you know, and I know, you know, my submissive the hard, is, part is, go ahead. Sorry. I know my submissive doesn't like that very often. Well, the hardest part is like, if I'm, if I'm really deep in code, like yeah. I, I know I do web development and design and stuff. And so yeah, if so I'm does really he, deep in code and uh and or if i like a client has broken something on their site or whatever like that it can be really frustrating and i, I know what happens she'll say you know uh, uh i would really like x y and z and she'll be able to tell because i'll go uh well uh, um 
Yes, I would. I, 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 I'll, you know, and I'll try to come up with a, a compromise of some sort on the spot, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, she obviously, you know, she knows the reason I'm doing this is because, you know, we have to be doing this, right? This is our financial situation. The work so part, she knows, right. She, right. So she, she's not like, she's not like, no, screw your client. We have to do X, Y, and Z. If it's like an emergency situation, she totally understands, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, but as far as the play thing goes, I mean, we're, because we have like the last few years, it's been just nonstop work. Like I work every, you know, all day, every night and all weekend. Mm. And she has been really deep in, you know, we're just wiped out. We're just totally, we have no energy for play, right? Because I'll, I'll work until one or two in the morning, I'll get five hours of sleep and then I'll get up, you know. Um, so it's been, you know, we, and we both have missed like, playing as much as we used to. And so it's not like, uh, you know, we both recognize that this, you know, that it, even though we still do play things and obviously we have, uh, you know, it's not like we're not doing anything. It's just like, it's not nearly to the degree and frequency as it used to be just because we're nonstop tired. Right. Um, but you know, uh, like now that school's over, you know, recently we, we, uh, set play dates. And so we've been doing it and it's awesome. It's so amazing. It's so great. Right. Um, and on one hand, you know, yeah, it really sucks that that's the, you know, I, I, this is sort of like the nature of how things are, you know, it, you, we don't, we don't really have a choice. If we want to have a better life in the future, we have to make these sacrifices now. Right. And so we would spend, you know, we would spend countless times just talking about, Oh, if we can just get, get through this, then we'll be able to, you know, and then we've been daydreaming about the different play we'd be doing, you know, we'd vocalize about it, you know, and so it's, it's not like, you know, we both knew that we really missed that and we both talked about it. Um, uh, b- but, you know, thankfully, and one of the nice things is, is that for us, um, the fact that we b- were both missing it was a good thing. It's not like one of us was missing it and the other one wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the, the nice thing is, is that the fact that we, we're, or we're able to still be deeply in love and still have a lot of affection and, um, and our relationship still continued without problems because, you know, we know a lot of people who, if, if one aspect, whether that's kink, whether that's sex in general, whether that's finances, we know people who, when that one thing they really liked about the other person goes away, they, then the relationship ends. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, again, whatever that might be, um, maybe it's the person's health, maybe it's whatever. Um, uh, the fact that, you know, that was never an issue. That was never a question for us. It wasn't like, um, you know, we know people who, if one person couldn't play, uh, the other person would say, all right, I, you know, I need to go find someone else, uh, to play with then, because this is something that I, I simply can't have you know, mm. live without, mm-hmm. which the, I think, I think if, if tomorrow I said, I don't want to play in kink ever again, then I'm sure she'd say, okay, well, I would like to find a play partner or someone I can, you know, I'm sure that would be the case, but because, because we were both in this together, uh, and for the same reason, right. Um, I think that definitely changed things. And it was, you know, when we did like the whole, you know, whenever we did like do a, uh, you know, play whether it was a, whatever it was, we were both really into it and really, it was really amazing. And, and that was great. And it just reminded us how much we can't wait until this, you know, we can get back into it. Right. Um, but yeah, it is really sucked because we both really obviously love playing. You know, we both really like doing all these different things that we, because of whatever reason, you know, because of, you know, the, the the nature of modern hell capitalism in the United States, we had no choice, right? Because of both, I have a ton of health bills and also she's in school all the time. And so all these different things means the only choice is to work nonstop, right? Um, but we're really excited that we'll be, you know, school's over, we can start doing other things. And um, yeah, so we're really excited right now. That's awesome. So how do you think... Like, does it feel like you're going to have to really get back into it and try? Or does it feel like you're so excited and you're so hot for her and it's just going to be 
it's not going to take much effort. You're just going to slide back. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I, I'm sure like um, pain tolerance, I'm sure, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. I know, you know, uh, that's something you kind of, at least for me, even though I consider myself a masochist, I don't get physically turned on by pain. It's more of a, I'm doing this for her. And that really turns me on type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sure, you know, that's, you know, but you know, it, that, I don't, that's not a concern. You know, I, I think for, for us, it's about, um, wow, all, we have like these 5,000 things that we used to do all the time. And we haven't been, we've only been able to do a, a couple of them every now and again. The hardest part is deciding which one we want to do next, right? Um, which is a good problem to have. Right? Totally. Um, because of all this that's been going on, we can see, we know that our personal, like the actual play has been uh, dramatically cut back just because of circumstance. But um, we're reminded every now and again, like someone will say like, oh, wow, he, you know, someone who is like a neighbor or something like that. Oh wow, he really he's really kind of he dodes on you, doesn't he? You know, uh, or, or whatever. And it's be, and, and because for them it's a big thing, whereas for us it's like you know a one on the scale of ten for us. But you know, it, right. it's sort of nice to have that you know reminder that, that we're still not like you know a completely homogenous couple or anything. No, right? not at all, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you text you a bell and you come running. That's that is wouldn't. Very many wives would like that of their husbands, I have no doubt. <laughs> sure, right. Or, like, right. Or, or vice versa. Like, how many times do we get to really be like that? I want to be your priority to your partner. I think I think that's the thing about DS that is really, really valuable to, to be able to be consciously negotiate that role. Right. And, and you know, um, you know, we would love to um, – uh, get back to a point where we're, you know, you know, we used to do things like when she would come home, uh, she would want me to be in this position doing this thing with, mm. uh, you know, and ready for her ex. And, um, I, and again, just because of circumstances, it makes it more difficult because of either she's been away at school for the last 12 hours and I've been working for the, <clears throat> for the last 12, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, just little things like she walks in the door, I stop what I'm doing and I help her take off her shoes, you know, or whatever. And it's, so it's always there. And it's not like we talk about, oh, uh, you know, we need to do X DS thing in order to make sure that we're still DS. It's just sort of a natural thing that just is always there. Yeah. That's my long winded answer to your question. No, that's awesome. I think it's really good to, to see and and hear um, examples of long-term DS, because I think what we, you know, as with many relationship things, what we see in the media is about the falling in love with each other and the like big excitement at the beginning and how, how sexy it is and how the rules and all the service. And, you know, and that's not, that's not sustainable if you want to have other parts of your rich, vibrant life, like income and, and like right. educate higher education or a new job, or, you know, you have to kids, like people have to navigate that as one of their many things that they juggle, not as the only thing. So I think it's great to, to see examples. Yeah. And I think it, it, like if we won the lottery tomorrow, um, I'm sure we would be, you know, ramping up our ds like crazy right mm. um if we didn't have to you know if we didn't if i didn't have to go to work and she didn't have to work and we could just spend our days gardening and playing and mm-hmm. you know and uh so you know i'm sure that, things would look yeah what would it look like if you ramped up your ds like crazy like what would that be for you i, I mean who you know who knows? I mean, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm sure it would be. Do you have I'm a sure, vision I, though? I, like, I mean, more play, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it was a vision, you know, we'd have a, uh, uh, we'd have, uh, you know, a farm somewhere uh, mm-hmm. upstate New York or whatever. And we'd have a really big garden. Uh, I would wake up early and I'd make her breakfast and, um, you know, I would, uh, wake her up with a foot massage and whatever. And, and, uh, bring her breakfast and then we would, you know, go outside, go for a long walk, play in the forest, probably, probably play both frolic and kink play, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, 
yeah, I'm sure we would incorporate many aspects of kink. We would probably, you know, we would, we've talked about what our dream home dungeon would be, mm. you know, countless times. Right. And, um, you know, and, 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 and then also we, we also like, what's funny is <clears throat> in, in the same vein, we are, um, you know, we, we not only kind of kink about what our ideal, like kinky sex aspects would be, but we also kind of kink out on, oh yeah, we would start our own, you know, nonprofit leftist organization to, you know, whatever we would, you know, so we, we also have like political kinks that we have that we would love to do as well. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that, you know, just wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So, I mean, we, um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, but so we, you know, we, we definitely have a, a, a dream of what our ultimate would be, uh, but just be, the facts of time, uh, you know, make it really difficult to do. Right. Right. For sure. But I love that idea just as like a thought experiment of what would my ideal day in the life of my kink life and my, you know, my life in general, but like my ramped up DS, what would that look like? Right. Again, we're, we're, we're in a situation just from both time and finances. It's just not a possibility. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, you know, you can let your, your imagination run wild, whatever that might be. So, so how, how about you? Like you, like you, you said you've been, uh, one thing you mentioned is, is you've been, you've got a gig at a school. Yep. Yeah. I've been organizing events, basically, um, LGBT and kind of gender sexuality, uh, events throughout the school year. And then this one big event on a summer Institute on sexuality in June that just ended. Um, and so it's been really different to have a, a three quarter slash full-time job. And, um, it's the first time that I've had that in more than 10 years. And I've been, cause I've basically been full-time with sugar Butch since about 2008 right. and nine. And, um, it, uh, it's a relief. I really like it. <laughs> it's really That's good right. not to hustle so much. And I, I'm really glad to, to be able to do things like write the thing I want to write instead of writing something to try to get people to sign up for something, you know, uh, or buy. So what is, I'm curious, what of your, um, uh, and, and I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not saying you're old. <laughs> okay. Um, but what what amazes me is I will get people who are like, hey, I'm 19 years old and I've been listening to your podcast for the last six months. And I, I you know, my only exposure has been porn and thank you, you know, do, I, I don't want to humble brag. I'm sure I also get the opposite of whatever. Um, and, and I'm sure you get people who are just starting out exploring who they are, um, whether that's based on you know, being a top, being a bottom, being, you know, their gender, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, like what, what have your experiences been? You're around a lot of college students now. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, are you, um, are you envious of, of what, what their starting position is right now? Are you, do you not envy them because there's so much out there? Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I either like it just kind of feels like it is what it is, I guess. And, um, uh, I mean, I would have, I would have loved to have access to the internet as a teenager and college student, the way that people do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, um, it was, it was just starting. I graduated high school in 96 and the, so like Netscape, one or whatever was available. <laughs> right. But um, it part of that was just, I was in a small town and didn't know how to be kinky or queer or masculine of center and didn't have the models or representation that I needed. And, um, and so I really had the urge to just get out. I knew there was something else out there. I wanted to see the world and like figure out what I was missing, but I could, I didn't have any names for it. I didn't know what I was looking for. Um, I, mean, I knew I was kinky from a young age, but 
And I knew I liked girls, but I didn't know kind of the extent or if I was bi or like what any of that meant. So, so I guess I have some, I don't know if envy is the right word, but like, well, maybe envy of people who have been able to grow up with that kind of access and, you know, cause you can just know anything in 30 seconds. Um, and at the same time though, looking for something like how do lesbians have sex? <laughs> it's really hard to find a good source because of course you can imagine what comes up if you search for that. Right. Like uh, it's not sure. going to be legit, like lesbian community stuff very, very well. Right. Um, right. It's, it's going to, it's going to take some digging. Um, Today, someone like yourself, you would, you probably have a, at least a more of a access to more of a community, right? If you were in a small town. Yeah, for sure. Um, because those communities would be right. Up, and then right? I could find, people with that knowledge online and connect and realize that I'm not, you know, like see an example of that kind of identity. You know, I mean, the, the queer representation in popular media is just completely different, right? Like, you know, people sometimes go like, Oh yeah, Glee. I had that when I was in fifth grade. Like I've been watching Glee since fifth grade. And I'm just like, what? Like, how could that have been right? But the, the time frame it would be such a different thing if I was watching Glee in fifth grade. I can't imagine. Um, sure. But, you know, right. I mean, it is what it is, right? Like now we're sounding old and nostalgic or something. It's it's really <laughs> interesting how dramatically things have cha- changed. And I think for the marginalized communities, kink and, and LGBT stuff and gender stuff, like it's all, it's, it's really shifted. And having that access has really shifted things. Um, I mean, yeah, like is FetLife a problem? Oh, fuck. Yeah. And, and is, you know, femdom porn and, and access in that way, a problem representation in lots of ways, totally. And it is, you know, is it, is you porn a problem, you know, like where you can get just any porn on your phone in two seconds. It's, it's a really different access point. And I still think people crave, connection and on and on some level know that that's not real porn or uh, real life you know they know that's mm-hmm. not what people really do all the time right. they they might want it to be like that sometimes but i think they know i don't know you know I've, i feel like we've said that for i've heard that for 15 years people going like people think that porn is real life and i'm like i don't i never thought porn was real who thought porn was real life like did you ever think that where you were watching a dom and you're like that's what it's gonna be well, let's talk about your personal life. You know, what, what's been, you know, how has that evolved? What is that, uh, what does that look sure. like lately? Well, how has it changed? Uh, Rife and I have been together almost seven years at this point. We had a collaring ceremony when I moved here to San Francisco. And then a few years later, we got married. So the collaring was a lot more like the, you know, the DS and our kinky friends and stuff. And the wedding was a lot more for family and kind of, governmental recognition stuff and benefits, but thanks. It was beautiful and fun and I really enjoyed it. Um, and you know, so maybe like five years in, we definitely had some, some, some serious bumps where I feel like we're kind of, our core wounds are kind of activated and rubbing up against each other. And that's been really intense. Um, and part of what I love and, and Mm -hmm. cherish and, and desire about relationships is, that deep knowing of each other and the ways that we can really see each other and help each other be the highest, wonderful, most wonderful versions of ourselves. Uh, and I, I'm not interested in that kind of superficial relationship where we're just kind of like, la la, here's breakfast. Let's go to work. Let's watch, um, whatever game of Thrones and then go to bed. You know, like I want the deep stuff and the hard stuff. And as much as I also will flail and, cry and rage about the deep stuff and the hard stuff. Cause I do, uh, cause man, that shit is hard, but, um, but it's been a huge growth curve in the recent couple of years. And I've written a little bit about it on the kind of back end, you know, privately for the Patreon folks. And, but it, it's hard, it's hard to write about and it's hard to, um, it's hard to sort through when it feels like old trauma and old, like unfinished, unresolved stuff. And, and, and re 
re-examining the self. Like I feel like I've gone through so many ego deaths in the last year, <laughs> just like over and over and over. I'm like, God, who am I? What am I doing? How does this work? How do I be in the world? How do I be in this relationship? So, you know, on the one hand, I love that because I feel like I'm growing. Um, and on the other hand, I'm kind of also like, wow, I could, I would like some stabilization, please. <laughs> I would like to feel a little more stable in this. Right. And, and, you know, so then I go off and do a bunch of work about being more stable. And I started um, doing some more intense trauma therapy, which, you know, I'm, on the one hand is destabilizing, but on the other hand has the ultimate goal of being more stable and um, got on sure. uh, antidepressants for my for the first time in my life and mood stabilizers. And that's different. And, you know, so trying to got this full-time job for the first time in 10 years. So like I've made some shifts in ways that have, that have really stabilized me and that's really good. So that's, that's a little where I am. I'm, I'm working on some writing projects, like bigger ones and, and um, less, you know, day-to-day blogging and more like, how do I write this book? So um, this, this year, purely for fun, I've been writing a speculative fiction novel (laughs) that is totally, completely different than any writing I've done before and, and really fun and, and like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with it and (laughs) like how it's going to turn out, you know, if it's any worth reading at all, but, but I've enjoyed that process. Um, so how and did then that happen? Of, like how, how did, <laughs> what, what made you decide I'm going to do this? Is it just, um, well through like speculative fiction, especially kind of the YA genre, right? Like kind of like hunger games and all those, there's dozens and dozens around that, um, around that genre. Um, they're, they're kind of my go-to, uh, self-care, where I just, when I need to like turn off my brain because I'm thinking way too much or I'm upset or I'm, you know, emotional or whatever I am, I'm like, okay, sit down with that damn book again. And, and it's, you know, they're, they're such page turners. They're really easy to read. Everybody's kind of like, because a lot of them are teenagers or young adults, they're, um, they have very clear and simple emotions, <laughs> if you will. Right. Like they're not the really complicated literary uh high high literature kind of stuff where everybody's super nuanced and it's all brooding and whatever um it's it's a lot more plot driven you turn the page and so that's been a genre since all this relationship stuff has been very complicated and personal growth stuff i i just have been reading dozens and dozens of those novels and they're really fun um and and i talk about them with friends and then eventually a friend was like i dare you to write your own novel i dare you to write that (laughs) and I'm going to, I'm going to set that goal for you in 2018. You're going to write a novel. I was like, I, okay. okay. Yes, I will. Why not? And well, that was easy. I kind of, I mean, it was, it's been, I've had a craving to do something new with writing, like to push myself with writing. You know, I've had this Sinclair and Sugar Butch voice for 12 years. And, and while it has served me super well in so many places, I want to grow as a writer and keep pushing myself as a writer. So, so I was ready to do, at least a little something, something new. Uh, and aside from that, I have a spiritual community called Body Trust. And they're the ones I said earlier, we do this meditation twice a week in the mornings. And um, I did a little call for for writings more than a year ago to put together a little literary journal with like a bunch of different little pieces in it. And so that is finally complete. It's called Erotics. And um and I just ordered proof copies, actually, so I should get the paper copy very soon, and uh, and that should be available this summer. And I'm super excited about that. They're kind of stories and um, uh, personal essays, a little bit of fiction, but mostly about like personal stuff um, about erotic transformation, like you know, life life changes and learnings and personal growth through erotic touch and experiments so that is that's going to be a really lovely thing i think in the world too so some of my that sounds amazing i mean so and that's going to be available sometime this year mm-hmm. yeah it should be end of july and i'll you know i'll post about it all over the place i'm sure if people are following me on twitter wherever they'll get sick of hearing about it <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be that'd be great i mean because i mean i really something i've always appreciated about your right i mean obviously when i first um uh started reading your your writing i mean it was it was great for me because i was able to um it's always great when i can read something 
from a, a top that comes from like a genuine place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's because, because like I said, at the time, uh, there was so much that was so, you know, you would read things from people who, it, where it was clearly they were trying to, it was a, I don't want to say commodified, but it was. Um, Personified for sure. Right. But it would also, um, it didn't always feel real, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so I always, whenever you could read someone who, because the mind of a dominant is so foreign to me <laughs> and because that's what I was not only trying to meet, but also trying to understand and figure out how do I make this person happy, sure. uh, this type of person happy. And so I always really appreciated that. And and one thing I just like about your writing in general, this comes from a very honest place. And so, mm. um, which is... You know, it, it, that's that's good regardless of what you're write, reading, right? Regardless of the yeah. subject matter. It's always yeah. good. Well, just um, d- other dream projects, right? So, like, someday I'll finish my confidence book about strap-ons. And someday I'll, I'll turn the Submissive Playground e-course into a book. And it'll be, like, the strong submissive or something like that. And someday I'll write a book of dominance. Maybe. We'll find out. So, just, you know, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm kind of... I'm trying to push myself as a writer. So I guess that's what's up for me. You know, I'm, I'm journaling more. I'm trying to write more themed posts that are a little more polished instead of like, mm-hmm. blah, blah, here's a YouTube video. And, you know, I was thinking about this today or whatever. And, and just getting things a little more, um, a little more like they're contained units, beginning, middle, end. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, I don't know. I don't remember the question, but I think that covers it maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's it's always it's always good to touch base with you, and I'm really glad that you were the first person that uh, I had on for the I don't want to say return, but for season the next two. batch of interviews, season two. Yes, after several years of season one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but I'm really glad that that uh, because I always enjoy talking to you. Um, you're you're one of the more you know nice just genuinely sincere people and that's always really just great to um to get back at and you're a super easy person to interview so i figured you would be the perfect perfect person to have first back to get my interview chops back oh thank you uh, i I, it was kind of a co-interview i was interviewing you a little too but it's so it's so lovely to catch up and I'm so happy to um, be listening to more of these in the future and and thanks for you know asking me about what's up and and connecting I love it you can find Sinclair at sugarbutch.net I'll have another episode out in a couple of weeks thanks for putting up with the delay both of you who are still listening we'll talk to you later bye bye <laughs>